You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds Podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. Hey there, I am so excited about today's episode because we're going to be diving into all things YouTube. More importantly, how you can start a YouTube channel that brings in money. I think a lot of us had this dream, at least I know I did for years, where I thought being a YouTuber would be this like easy walk in the park kind of business, and you just sit back and let the millions of dollars come in. Now, I know that was a little bit naive. I get that now. However, I really did believe that, and I think a lot of people feel like it's an easy thing to do. Now, easy and simple are very, very different things, and I think Dennis does a really good job of showing us what specifically we need to do to set ourselves up for success when it comes to starting a YouTube channel. So maybe you want to do this as a business. Maybe it's just for funsies. Whatever your situation is, Dennis is going to help us today. Let's dive into Dennis's background so you can understand a little bit more about him. He is a full-time content creator and personal finance expert on YouTube. He reviews and educates all about financial apps and services that help people build wealth. His YouTube channel has over 20,000 subscribers and over 1.7 million lifetime views on his channel. He's a public speaker. He helps others make an income on YouTube, and he's also a business coach. So Dennis is one of my friends, and you're going to see that we kind of like shoot the shit a little bit. We have a good time together. We really do. He started his financial journey when he was 17 years old, and since then, he's been able to pay for a home in cash, had a debt-free wedding, traveled to Europe for a whole year with his wife and his fluffy dog. Daisy and started two businesses. I am seriously excited for you guys to meet him. He's such a rock star. He teaches us so many different things. So let's talk a little bit about what you're going to get from this episode. First, you're going to learn why it surprises people that Dennis is a full-time content creator. His channel, as he claims, isn't as big as others, but yet this is his full-time job. And sometimes he makes a lot more money than people that have millions of subscribers, but don't know how to monetize that. 
we talk a lot about how he can tell if something is working with YouTube, like what content is really resonating and which content is not doing so hot. He talks about how he deciphers that, how he deals with negative feedback. Let's be honest, there's a lot of crap talkers on the internet and on YouTube specifically, that platform tends to attract a lot of jerks sometimes. So he talks about how to deal with that, that process. We talk about different ways to profit from YouTube and strategies for engaging those methods a blueprint for anybody that's just starting your YouTube channel, why doing the research is so important before you start making videos, how you don't actually need super expensive equipment and what he suggests for equipment to get you going. We also talk about why it's important not to focus on that subscriber count, understanding YouTube's monetization, and even finding the balance between appearing professional and personable. I really love this conversation and Dennis is such a fun guy that he made me do some new rapid fire questions for him. He literally demanded it, you guys, you're gonna see, it's hilarious. But I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Dennis Turpin. Wait, before we dive in, if you enjoyed this podcast and you have been listening for quite some time, do me the biggest favor and take a screenshot of this and share it with somebody that you care about on social media. Maybe it's on Instagram or Facebook. Let them know that you're listening in and it really does help the show grow and get in front of more people. Thank you so much. All right. Now back to the show. Hey, hey, Dennis. Thank you so much for hanging out, man. Yeah, I am super excited, Whitney. Like, we are pretty fun people to chat with. So I mean, people don't understand, but we're like the coolest. And when yeah. we get together, it's it's shenanigans. Let's be real. It's, it's shenanigans all over. So I think people are going to have fun in this uh, this episode. <laughs> I think so, too. So tell us a little bit about what do you do full time today? What is your full time job? Yeah. So, um, man, that's that's a really stretched question because I do so much stuff now because I have the opportunity to do the things that I want to do. But for like a standard, you know, look at me and what I do, I create video content primarily on YouTube. And so I try to bring people knowledge when it comes to financial apps and services that help people build wealth. So typically I'll make the videos, post them online. Sometimes I'll do blog articles and just kind of anything else that can really hone in in that, in that area. But I do a lot of little things here and there in between too, because I do this all on my own at this point. Well, you don't have any employees yet? Uh, no, I have some like freelancers that I work with on certain aspects of the business um, to be able to kind of give myself more free time, either for family time or for growing the business even more. Uh, that makes sense. OK, so let's like back up a little bit. You've got like 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. Mm. And for anybody that's hearing this, that seems like a scary feat to get to that level. So how did you even get started and why did you choose YouTube as a platform? Yeah, I mean, those are some great questions. But the funny part is, too, I want to kind of mention is that 20,000 might seem like a lot, but it also doesn't seem like a lot in comparison, especially when people find out that I'm a full time content creator. And so a lot of times people are, you know, looking at me like, oh, 20,000, that's incredible. Wait a second. You're a full time creator. Like it really like steps them back because, you know, as big of a number as 20,000 is, they don't hear a lot of people going full time with just that small number. So it's really kind of fun to be able to share with people like these insights because I thought it took, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of subscribers to be able to go full time. Um, so I, I started my journey 
uh, quite a long time ago. So it was back in May of 2017. And that's when I actually started my YouTube journey for the career that I'm on now. But I actually started even before that with different channels that never ended up, you know, really lifting off. And I like to tell people that because it's okay to fail and then try and try again until you find a formula that works for you. Because I think too often that we try something once and then it fails and then we don't want to keep going forward. And so for me, I tried two different types of channels on YouTube and they didn't work out for me. So then I went ahead and tried a third time on a subject that I'm just so passionate about that everybody around me, you probably hear this all the time, get their ears bled out for me talking to them about personal finance. So <laughs> no way. Right. So crazy. And so I you know, went ahead and I was like, well, I'll just talk to an empty void at this point and see what happens. And sure enough, I mean, people started listening, people were interested, and I had a, a place where I was able to share my thoughts and opinions, and people were gravitating towards that. And so it, it took a long time and a lot of work, but it uh, obviously ended up working out really well for me. But part of the reason I decided to go on video was just because it was something that was an easier format for me to get into. But I think for anybody, Whatever format sounds the easiest for you, definitely go in that position. But I don't know. There was something about video. I I like to communicate with humans. I like to be around other people as well, too. So having video to be able to express my, my face, my hand movements, all that kind of stuff, it made it a lot easier for people to find a connection with me in some way. Awesome. Did you go down the blogging route with your business, too, or was it always video? Um, so I actually don't think I've ever told anybody this, Whitney. So you get the inside scoop because we're like besties. So, (laughs) (laughs) so many, many years ago, I actually did try to do blogging and it definitely wasn't my, my cup of tea. And yeah, I, like I said, I, you know, I tried it and it just didn't work out for me, but yeah, I, I definitely did have a little dip in there. And I think the website is still somewhere out in the, in the universe, but, uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's always fun, right? You're like, I hope nobody stumbles across that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. I respect that. So with your two YouTube channels that you started before, you mentioned that you said they weren't working. Okay, but how do you how do you view if something's working or not? I've always struggled with that. You know, that's that's a fantastic question, right? Because I think for a lot of us, it's after a certain amount of time of putting effort in not seeing results. That's when you give up. But that's not when I really gave up because I was putting in a lot of time and effort because I I think for anything that you try to do that's bigger than yourself, um, whether it's the side business, whether it's just anything in life, there's always going to be that time where it feels like nothing is moving forward. And that's usually when you have to double down, um, at least uh, in my thoughts and in my journey so far. And so when I created these two different channels prior I was going through the process of trying to, you know, learn as much as I could and try to get excited about things. And the excitement just definitely wore off way quicker than I was expecting it to. But I kept pushing forward in case maybe that was just that lull time. And after a couple of months on the first one, I decided, hey, this isn't working out. Let me see if I can try a different subject. And then I moved into a different subject primarily because um, my wife and I were traveling through Europe. So I was like, oh, well, let's do a travel channel. Like, that would be totally wicked. That'd be sweet. Right? And, you know, come to find out that the amount of work that went into creating a version of a video where I'm traveling through Europe and, you know, talking about stuff, it just, I didn't have as much of a passion. Like I just, I can see it in my videos that I was like, Hey, that's not me. Like I'm not out there and expressing the things that I was excited about. I love travel. I'm just not the guy to talk about travel. So then I was like, okay, maybe this is not going to work out either. And then it took me 
like a couple of months to finally say, you know what, let me talk about finance. And the reason it took me so long to jump to finance, even though I love talking about it since I was like 16 years old, was because finance has always been a taboo subject. And I know you know this, right? Yeah. And so I was just like, okay, well, let me just get out of my comfort zone. And I got to tell you, every single time I've ever gotten out of my comfort zone or done something that makes me nervous, which is talking about finance on YouTube, every single time I've done something like that, I've always come out the other side so much better. I've succeeded in something that I didn't think was possible. And it's it's been amazing so far. I think that's such good advice too, because I, I, I know, especially with YouTube, we see other people's videos and we see how many asshole comments there are. And we're like, frick, I don't want that crap on my, like, I don't want to be, you know, having people like nitpicking me the whole time. And I think that's where a lot of people stop or they, they don't go forward with that is because they, they think everyone's going to beat up on them on YouTube. Did you find that to be the case? Uh, not as much actually. So they, they do joke around like with creators on YouTube is that you've actually made it once you do get those type of comments, once you get people that are, <laughs> kind of pushing you down or trying to push you down. And maybe it's just me, but I've always kind of taken those comments and used them as a fuel to kind of showcase who I really am. I'm, I'm really of a positive mindset. So I'm always about being happy and joyful. That's why I love hanging out with you, Whitney, because it's like every time we hang out, like I, it's always joyful. Like there's never like down times or like we're like upset about anything. Like we always try to find like good in things. Yeah. And so for me, when I see these comments of like people getting mad at me or making fun of me or any of these things, I, I always look at it like, first of all, they have to spend that time and energy to do something like that, right? They have to spend that time to type those words in. So I actually feel empathy for them. I actually feel bad that they have nothing better in their lives to do, but then to give somebody else something negative. So I usually try to turn those comments around and or try to do something that puts it in a lighter perspective of like, hey, that's not really respectful. Um, and then just kind of go about my day. And sometimes it actually gives me joy because like I'll have some of the silliest comments come in and then I'll put a reply and they're shocked that one I'm replying. And then two, that it's like either like a witty comment or something that like actually makes sense. And they either retract their comment because I've seen that happen plenty of times before I screenshot it, though. I still got them. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then other times I do get some people saying, hey, I actually apologize. And it's it's great to see that people are willing to change their opinions or their mindset because of something I've said. Oh, I love that so much. I think you're spot on. And a lot of times it's almost like I feel like people are reaching to get some type of response. That's all they want is they want to be heard. And sometimes they do some really weird ways of trying to get heard. And sometimes they're really supportive. But I think that's that's cool that you do take the time to respond when needed and that people are willing to see like, no, that was not very cool of me. I think yeah. that's awesome. I mean, and then, of course, because sometimes people like when I tell people that they're like, well, what about those people who are like really vulgar and like messing mm -hmm. up? I'm like, no, at that point, like, I'll just go ahead and remove them. Like if they're if they're breaking like the rules of the community and and not being, you know, positive or thoughtful or something where it's like it's so out of the extreme that I'm not going to worry about it. Like those those are the ones don't even bother me. But it's just the ones that are like in the middle, the ones that are the majority, I would say. I, I try to connect with them in some way mm -hmm. if I can. Or even if they're poking humor at me, I'll try to just continue the the talk. So like mm. sometimes I have people have told me plenty of times they're like, Dennis, you talk way too fast. And I'm like, <laughs> I do. I just I, I'm just such a fast talker. You should listen to me when I'm excited about it in real life. Uh, <laughs> right. Like it's it's just crazy. So like I just go based off of it. I try to be humorous ar around it, too. I love this. Okay, so I know a lot of people think that the only way to make money off of YouTube is 
by views like it's however many views you get is that the case or have you found any creative ways to make money off of youtube yeah so um so i want to take a one step back on that question too because i think a lot of people you know when they go through that process they they really are excited to become a full-time youtuber but what they don't understand is that it it will take time so i always tell people go into it as a business mindset but then go into it as a side hustle first you're not going to make a lot of money right away but if you put in the time and effort things can come to fruition for you Mm. but you have to stay focused and so when i talk to people about that you know then i do mention that yeah of course, views are actually more important than subscribers. So that's why when people look at me and say, wow, you only have you know 20,000 subscribers, how are you full time on it? It's actually because I'm focused on the views more than I am about the subscribers. And I know to some people that's like, what, you're supposed to care about your community and all this stuff. And I'm like, I do, I love the people in my community. I love the people who comment. But in order to grow, in order to be something more, you actually have to get views outside of your subscriber base, which is typically actually what happens and most people don't even notice. Mm. Um, so for me, I'm just like, how can I get more people, more people's attention to the content that I'm trying to create? So now when I'm, when I'm making videos, I'm not trying to just focus on my audience. I'm trying to focus on the audience that I don't have. And that's what brings me in more views than I have subscribers. Because if I, like on a typical month, I get about 100,000 views right now. But with only 20,000 subscribers, that means all of my, you know, audience members are watching, you know, what is that, three and a half times all my videos almost. Mm -hmm. So I'm, a lot of my views are coming from people who are not subscribed. So thinking of it that way really helps the under, uh, the idea of, you know, bringing in money because obviously I get money from ad revenue, but it's a very small portion of my overall um, re revenue source from YouTube itself because I focus in on other aspects as well. So when you say you're, you're thinking of other audiences and bringing those in like wh what do you mean by that is that like from a title seo perspective is it from the way you structure the content like what how are you thinking about that yeah i mean so it's definitely a, an seo thing so search engine optimization essentially what i'm doing is i look for things that people are struggling with or wanting questions answered for so i'm being found in search and if i'm being found in search that typically means that somebody new that's finding me so if i make a video since i do apps and services i'll, I'll do a tutorial on a video for like let's say an application that needs to withdraw money it might seem simple and basic but sometimes that can just be the video that people needed to be able to help them understand that app better. Even if for you and me, it seems like the easiest thing in the world. And then they gravitate towards the, the content that I'm creating and then go through and watch more content on the channel. So I try to lure them in by something very basic and then keep them around based off of all the other content that I've created. For your videos, like what, what's the time frame? Like how long do you personally aim for for your audience and your channel? Like how long are these videos? So this is a great question. So a lot of people ask this. So if, if you're potentially in the process of, you know, making videos or any form of content, honestly, for the most part, I always tell people like, give them everything you can that gives them value and respects their time up until that moment. Anything past that is all fluff. And then I think at that point you are disowning your audience members by by wasting their time and their value that they have for that time. So for me, I'm just like, if if it's a video that's gonna take me, you know, it's gonna be two minutes, but you, YouTube tells me, hey, 10 minute videos are more advantageous for you on the channel. I'm not gonna stretch a two minute video out for another eight minutes because I know that's gonna waste that person's time and I wanna mm -hmm. respect it. So I would rather make it a two minute video post it on there, they get that value, they can continue watching me or they can move on with their day, but they at least know that the next time a video comes up and they see my face in that thumbnail, 
yeah. that they're going to say, hey, last time I watched this guy, he didn't waste my time. And so I'll watch his next video. I, I love that. It's like it truly is putting your audience first, even before your own profit. Yeah. You know, and I, I think a lot of times people misunderstand that because one, as a business, you do need money to grow. And I, I'm all about that. Mm-hmm. I, I think actually a lot of people are in that mindset of like, oh, I don't want to like get money from my audience, all this stuff. And I'm like, well, if you have more money as a business, you can actually grow bigger and reach a yeah. bigger audience. So if anything, money will help you in that. But yeah, I'm not money hungry in the sense that like I want to squeeze every nickel and, you know, dime out of every person. So my thing is what what value can I give them first? And then if down the road I need something from them, I feel more confident that they would be willing to offer that to me because I showed them time and time again that I'm giving them as much as I can. I dig it. I think that makes so much sense, too. So I know you speak on this at conferences often. In fact, I heard you speak at FinCon and your content is so good. Like the way you teach is super practical. So let's apply some of that practical knowledge that you are so good with to somebody who has an idea for a YouTube channel that they've always wanted to do, but they haven't launched it. Like what would you if you were coaching them, like what would you tell them? Here's what you got to do. Here's your blueprint. Yeah. So um, again, I'm only doing this because you're my friend, Whitney. I adore you. I'm not going to give all my secrets to everybody else, but I'll give them to your audience. Thanks, man. Yeah. So so here's the first thing, honestly, whether it's a podcast, a YouTube channel, a blog, if you're thinking about doing it, I would say while you're listening to this, unless you're driving, like go start that channel, (laughs) go start that podcast, go start something now. Even if it's just the like the front page of it or just the name or, you know, whatever it is, like get it started because you're not going to get anywhere further past what I'm going to talk about if you don't do that today. Yeah. And I, I, I tell people that all the time and I see more success when I get somebody to get started today when they're listening to this kind of stuff because their energy level diminishes over time the longer they wait to get started. So mm. first and foremost, that's the biggest thing they got to do, right? Okay. So get started, take the first action. Is taking that first action. And I'll tell people this all the time, is that your your first piece of content is going to probably be your worst piece of content. (laughs) Not mine, Dennis. Oh, besides uh, Whitney's, no. (laughs) But uh, everybody else's, yes. I mean, I can... I love showing people my original video on my channel and I don't take it. I never took it down because I want people to see where I started from and where I am now. It's day and night. Like you need to put in time, effort and energy into what you're trying to create and knowing that it's not going to be great at first. And the funny part is a lot of people, when they start on YouTube, they are looking for that success and want, you know, a ton of views right away. I'm like, no, I didn't want that. I actually wanted to stay unknown because I needed to build up my craft. I mean, mm. I even to this day, I've been on the platform for almost three years, and I still to this day learn new tricks to to sound better, to make the video look cl- crisper, and just do what I can to improve. But for a lot of people, they're like, oh, well, I want to post this one video, and I want to get a million views. Like, I wouldn't have wanted that. Like, <laughs> even to this day, I'm like, am I ready to get, like, a video that goes, like, really, like, crazy high, like, viral? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm ready, but you know, even six months ago, my content wasn't nearly as great as it is now. So you're like, you're constantly trying to improve that. And I think that's, it's good advice for somebody to hear that being small and crappy in the beginning is actually okay. I tell a lot of podcasters that same thing. They get so scared. They're like, Oh my God, everyone's going to hear my podcast. I'm like, if it were only that easy, my friend, like if it were (laughs) truly that easy. Exactly. Like, oh man, if everybody like found your YouTube channel day one, you know how many times that happens to any YouTube channel? It's 
unbelievably skewed to like one side that nobody's going to see your channel. And that's like you said, that's an okay thing because you're just getting started. You're just learning the trade. You're, you're just going through that process, especially if it's part-time, right? Like you're not going to have all the time in the world to dedicate to it, but if you put it in the effort just a little bit at a time, you're going to see great impact. Oh, I totally agree. Okay. So we take the first action, we secure our channel, we got it all locked down and we're committed and then we get home and we have to go to record or do we research? What do you do first? So I like to do research and and this is a gold nugget right over here. So if you are going to create content, um, especially if it's something that you can be searched for, this is what you want to do. You want to find the most basic thing about whatever you're talking about and make a video for it because nobody, and this is going to be sounding really rude, but nobody's going to care about you if you make a video saying, my top whatever mm-hmm. because nobody knows you nobody wants to give you the time of day nobody wants to give you the value of their time to you because that's the most precious asset that we all carry so why would i give it to you if i don't even know who you are True. but if you give me value first i'm willing to give that time up to you so i'm gonna give you the best example i can to make, go across the board no matter who you are so if you go onto youtube for example and you type in how to subscribe to a youtube channel There's videos up there that have over 100,000 views on how to subscribe to a YouTube channel. What? Right? You would think, you would think that that is the craziest thing that somebody would have to be making. But somebody figured out that there are people out there that just feel unsecure to ask anybody else. So they go onto YouTube and look for that answer. And those videos do very well because they're asking the base or they're answering the basic question of, how to do something on a platform that maybe to you and I is super simple, but to that one person, that's everything that they needed to be able to feel comfortable with moving on to the next step of what they're trying to accomplish. But if you're that person that's going to give them that information, you are going to be something of value to that person, especially as they go through that journey. Because now if they want to learn how to comment or how to like a video and you made those videos as well, guess who they're going to turn to first before anybody else. That's such a killer point. I didn't even think about even starting with that rudimentary level. I think I love that. Even yeah. like how to subscribe to a podcast, like stuff like that. Yes. And it's crazy. Like, and so I, I get a lot of people that are, you know, in different niches and stuff like that too. So like, you know, there's people that are in the weight loss niche or people that are in the travel. Right. So I'm like, what is something that is so basic that in your mind would seem so obscure because it's just such a second nature to you and answer mm-hmm. those questions for people because those are going to be what matters first. And then you can start sharing your journey and your topics of what you love outside of the search area, because in order to grow early on, you do need to focus in on being found through search versus any other metric on the platform. Oh, God, see, I've always heard that, too. And it makes sense. Uh, I see a lot of new channels that try to do like almost vlog style. Like when Casey Neistat got huge, it was everyone was trying to copy him a day in the life of so and so. Yep. And in your opinion, that doesn't tend to work well for new channels. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Oh, 100 uh, percent. I mean, and Casey Neistat, what people don't realize about this gentleman, if, if you don't know him, he's probably one of the biggest uh, stars on the on the platform. And so he actually has been on the platform for, I think, at that point, like five years before he blew Whoa. up. But to everybody else, he looked like he blew up on day one. So yeah. he actually put a lot of time and effort into crafting his skill before he ended up becoming big. And so people were giving a little bit of time and day to his content. And then he started also something that was very unique and different 
in a mass scale. He made videos on a daily basis that looked like somebody took a week and a half to film, record, and edit. Crazy. Yeah. So with the video then, so we we have our list of like the super basic rudimentary topics of that we're going to create videos on. And then I know a lot of people get stuck on the equipment. Does the equipment matter? Like what what's your opinion on that? Oh, Whitney, the equipment is the most important thing ever. <laughs> is it though? No. <laughs> no, it's not. You know, the, the answer is no. So first and foremost, no. So there are pla- there are people on the platform that started off with recording on their iPhones and now do very well for themselves. I know a couple personally, and it's incredible how little people care about quality versus actual value that they're getting out of the content. Mm. Now, the only exception to all of that is actually audio. So if there's one thing you want to care about the most is probably focusing in how to take care of your audio the best. Um but everything else after that, you can slowly uh, improve over time. And people don't care about how it's being filmed. It's about what you're trying to film for them. Okay, so does that go the same thing for editing styles? I think so. I mean, I've, I'm very basic in my edits. Um, so I mentioned earlier that when I was traveling, we did a lot of travel videos. And that was very edit intensified. And mm. for me, I'm like, that's not, I don't want to put so much of my time and effort into that. I'd rather create more content with less editing. So the the reason I ended up going into the finance besides loving it is that I'm a talking head. I don't really do a lot of like movements and everything. I'm okay with that personally. And it gives me the opportunity to have my edits really quickly. So that way I can go in and create more content for myself. So, you know, just depending on the person and how you know skilled you are, um, I, I had no skills getting started at first, but now I've gotten better. I could probably go back and edit those travel videos much faster, but it's still not something I'd like to do in that mass scale. I, I like having the the format that I have, which is kind of me standing still for the most part, talking and then just chopping those pieces up and maybe adding some extra like effects on the screen. Yeah, I think it's just whatever's going to be the easiest for you to get started. Because in that first little section of starting something, like you mentioned, that momentum goes down. And so it's all about removing those barriers to entry and, and just continuing forward. Yeah, because if if yeah, if you try to do a vlog, first of all, it's going to be so hard for you to be found because again, nobody's going to care, and right. not in a rude way, but just nobody's going to care. And then the second, like you're going to have to go through that rigorous editing process, you know, and it's going to be so much that it drains a lot of people, it burns them out so quickly. Mm-hmm. No, it would me too. Like I, I don't think I could even sort of do that if it was every single video took ten to fifteen hours to edit. Like heck no. Exactly. So, okay, so then they record and we can like literally just use our iPhone. Is the the microphone on the iPhone, is that okay to get started? Um, it's, it's adequate. I would say, like I said, if anything you focus on the most at first would be audio. You can get a lavalier mic for like 20 bucks on Amazon and uh-huh. plug that in and then boom, you're good to go. And your audio probably increases tenfold. So that would probably be the only thing. And it's very, very inexpensive because I'm I'm all about the mindset, especially because I'm finance as well, is making sure that I don't overinvest in a business until I have a proven concept. So with my business, I actually did not get anything. I had everything I needed at the beginning. Like I had a camera, like a super basic camera, basic lens, uh, no audio piece. So if you watch my old video, you'll see why audio is so important. 
I just used natural light and I just went with the basics. And then at, over time, as I started bringing in revenue from the business, then I reinvested back into the business to have higher quality content pieces like the audio, the camera lenses, the soft boxes, all that stuff. So it came with time because I didn't want to spend $2,000 like I hear a lot of people do and then give up on the process. No, could you imagine like that would be. I see that all the time too, though. I have a lot of people that even like with coaching clients, they're like, oh, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to spend this much money invested into something. And at the end of the day, I'm like, have you even tried to record a video? Like, do you even enjoy this? <laughs> or does it just sound good in theory? Yeah, I think I think in theory, people say, well, if I spend $2,000, I ought to be getting a lot of views and all this yeah. stuff. Start with a proof of concept, like get people at least interested in watching your content um, and then start investing into it. So I think I think just like anything else in life, if if you're going to take that risk, make sure you have a, you know enough money in the back end to be able to withstand not being able to go through the process and losing out that two thousand dollars worth of equipment. Yeah, because like you said, it could take years to get to the point where you're I mean, I'm impressed three years with this channel in full time. That's very impressive. It really is. I don't think people understand how long it can take to build up oh, to even yeah. like a part-time income. Like it takes forever. Yeah, actually. Well, actually, so what happened was I started in May of 2017 and then April of 2019 is actually when I went full-time. So I'm actually almost full-time. Yeah. So I, I've been, I've been full-time for almost a year now personally, but it's been, it was two years that it took me to go full-time. And that is crazy when people who are in business understand the process of actually becoming profitable in any venture. Like it's very rare and seldom for a business to open up and get started and be profitable within like the first couple of years usually. Well, that's so nuts. That's good to hear though. Okay. So if we focus on the SEO first and we're creating based off of that research and not just trying to be cutesy and fun with our titles, then we should be able to find some success. And ultimately I know consistency is key, but what's the level of consistency that you tell new YouTubers that they should aim for? Yeah. So I, I think at first it is uh, quantity uh, of content that you're trying to produce because what you're doing is you're creating your craft. You're getting better at what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and then you could slow down on that. Like I actually produce less video content now than I did earlier on. And that's only because now I've been able to hone in on what I'm trying to do and, and focus. So earlier it was really just me trying to get better. I think I've made over 400 videos total in life. Um, on the content. Yeah. But if I didn't focus on those 400, my 401st video wouldn't be where it is today, or I wouldn't even have had it at that point. And I, so I tell people all the time, yeah, I would even I would even throw it out there to say that your first 100 videos are probably going to be the worst. 100 Once. videos? 100 videos before you ever see your content really start improving in, in, a, in a way where you start seeing some really great results. Like... I even look back six months ago on my content and I'm like, whoa, I can't believe I used to do that. And now I am better at this. And and it's because I'm willing to be consistent at the idea that I don't know everything on the platform and I'm still trying to get better at it every single day. Dude, you're so right. It is all about that beginner's mindset. I hear this you, like time across the board from YouTubers, from podcasters, from any content creator. It's all about, are you slowly and consistently improving? And are you asking questions from a place of, I don't know everything. So let me see what I can learn. Yeah. And also too, to be honest, accepting, uh, you know, constructive criticism from audience members. I had, I, as much as I, I feel like my audio was at a good level, I had somebody about a couple of weeks ago actually say, Hey, I love your videos but your audio levels are not, you know, as consistent. He's like, 
you should check that out. And instead of being like, well, I know better than you do. Like I'm making, yeah. I've been doing this for three years. I said, awesome. Thanks for the feedback. Watch some videos. Not even like three hours later. I know it sounds like a long time, but I like to do a lot of research with improving. So mm-hmm. it was like three hours later, I was testing it out on new edits and I was like, whoa, the audio sounds a little bit better. It might not have been a noticeable thing for everybody else, but I messaged the guy back and I was like, hey, thanks for the heads up. Focused on it, learned. And I think the audio is going to sound better in future episodes. And he's like, awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I love I love that idea. I think that that really does make sense. The only piece of uh, feedback that I receive on the podcast sometimes is you talk too fast. I'm like, oh, frick, like I I will try to talk slower. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I used to make a joke and people didn't find it funny. So I stopped saying it. But I was like, uh, you just listen really slow. <laughs> You're just a slow listener. It's all right. on you. <laughs> but like for some reason, people took that as a criticism. I'm like, no, I was actually just trying to be funny. But oh, it's I, <laughs> I'm the same way, homie, because I think just like you, I'm, I get super excited about what I'm talking about. And I just go a mile a minute at that point. Right. I know it's it's tough. It's tough. OK, so when we we start with more quantity in the beginning, I presume more quantity is like whatever the crap you can stick with. If it's two videos per week, great. If it's one, sure. But ideally, it is more in the beginning. And then yeah. would you launch with like a batch number? Like, would you have like 10 videos in the hopper three? Like, what, what would you suggest? So it it really depends on the person, I think. Um, First and foremost, yeah, I I think if you can minimum do one a week, you're you're building up your endurance, right? Um, I mean, nobody can do a a hundred push-ups day one. So it's like you need need those reps in. So I I would say minimum you should be trying for once a week. And and don't feel like you're obligated to do it same day, same time, because that can also stress people out. I kind of unfortunately did that at the beginning where – one time I was up till six in the morning because I had to release my videos same time, same day of the week. And and that really could have burnt me out. So I would say don't stress on like literally the exact time of day every single week, but at least one a week if you can. And uh, yeah, if you want to get started with having like three or five videos, you know, to release one after another, that's going to help because if somebody let's say you release your first video and you're not going to release another one for a week and somebody finds your video and like, Hey, I like this guy or gal. And they go and they look at your profile and you got nothing Mm. for some reason. People have this mentality and this goes for majority of us. And I give this analogy of going to a, to, to like a nightclub. If you ever gone to like a nightclub or a bar or something like that, and let's say there's two of them right across the street from each other. And one of them has like two people in there. And the other one is stacked full of people in a line out the door. As humans, we gravitate towards the pack. Yes, that's such you know? a good analogy. Right? And, and we do that. So when we when we have somebody who, you know, just looks at your channel for the first time and sees that you have just one video, they don't trust you yet. They're, not, they're like, is this going to be a fun place to be because there's only one piece of content? And let alone even five pieces of content is not going to do a lot for them. And I tell people this is why it takes a long time to build up subscribers because if you only have 20 subscribers – Someone's going to look at you and say, you know, and unfortunately, this might be a case where they're like, oh, he only has 20 subscribers. I don't know if they're legitimate enough. But then once you start building up 100, then people are like, oh, OK, this is a little bit more serious. And then when people see that thousand marker, I tell them all the time, once you get to a thousand, it it's almost like a huge snowball effect because now people see you as a legitimate force. And I mentioned earlier that like subscribers I don't focus on. It's a vanity number, unfortunately, but it does help momentum because people see that as as an authority figure in that space because a thousand is a huge number. And then so people are going to be more likely to start subscribing at that Mm -hmm. point. So 
I tell people try not to focus on the subscribers necessarily try to just focus on the craft and then the subscribers will come from that because they'll see you improving and, and getting better over time and you will in in essence just get better by yourself but your audience will see that too in real time and then over time it's going to just get easier and easier to get those subscribers so the first hundred is I would say the second hardest to ever get is the first thousand is the the most critical to get because after that you're going to start seeing a snowball and the amount of channels that actually get to a thousand is really small and then the number of channels that get to 10,000 is really minuscule in comparison to how many channels are out there entirely. That's so crazy. Did you when you were going through this whole process and you were like building up your subscriber base, how long did it take you to get to your first thousand? Oh, it took me like two days. I'm just kidding. I mean, of course, we could all be so lucky, damn it. <laughs> I know. No, it actually took me a, about a seven months uh, to get to my first thousand. So I started oh, in May of 2017. And then I think by the end of the year, my goal was to try to hit a thousand. And I, I got like right there. And and unfortunately, even for me, and that's why I like to tell people this, even for me, I was focused on the subscribers because I thought that's what mattered. You know, I thought that's, hey, if I get more subscribers, I'm going to get more views and all that. That's honestly not the case. What gets you more views is knowing what your audience wants, making the uh, better content every single time, and then, you know, releasing on a on somewhat of a regular basis. Because even if I leave the platform for three months, I, I will be okay, but then my audience is going to be like, oh, well, he's not producing anything new. So they're not yeah. as going to be likely to subscribe or go through and watch other content because people want new and fresh things all the time. This is so true. And I, I kick myself. This is one of my bigger business regrets, actually. You guys are like getting the full scoop here. Um, Confession Hour. I started with a YouTube channel and a very <sighs> mediocre blog. And I know. And I pushed pause. Ah, I feel so bad because I did. I pretty much like ghosted everybody. I'm like, bye guys. Like I'm out of here. And you're right. Like that does, that does impact it quite a bit, but I, I'm feeling like I should be revisiting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it can, it can be really tough to go through the process. And um, like, you, so you mentioned that, you know, I've, I've talked about this stuff, you know, in a presentation format too. And one of the biggest things I talk about is the downturns through the process. Cause what happens for a lot of people is, you know, you release a couple of videos and maybe one of them starts getting a few views. Like maybe you got to 20, 30 without, you know, asking mom and dad to, you know, check out the video and you're like, whoa, this is crazy. Like I got 20 people that I've never met before to watch me. Like it's crazy. But then what happens is, you know, it keeps building up, but over time, no matter how long you've been on the platform, even I experienced this, you're going to have lulls in the process where yeah. the channel goes down a little bit. You're not getting as many views. The, the newest video doesn't do as well. And it hurts a lot of people. It gets them really you know, dissatisfied on the process because they're like, well, I thought, you know, I was doing really well and all of a sudden everything just goes away. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can totally see that too. And yeah. I, I see the same thing with podcasting too. It's like a very similar um, methodology. And, and so, yeah, you're right. Just like stay consistent, stay patient. Yeah. Um, one of the other pieces that I'm always curious about, and I know you have strong and awesome opinions on this. When do you when do you need to start monetizing your YouTube channel? I know need is like a strong word, but let's say you really do want this to become your full-time job. Do I have to wait until I've got 10,000 subscribers? Like what, when do you think is an appropriate time to start reaching out for, I don't know, sponsors, affiliate deals? Like what do you, what do you suggest? Yeah. So no, it's a great question. So I think for most people, if you're going to be on YouTube, I mentioned this earlier, like go into it with a business mindset. If you want to just do it for fun and post videos for yourself, you shouldn't care about any any metrics. 
whatsoever. Because the second you start caring about any metrics, you need to start looking at it as a business. And it took me a while to start learning how to monetize the channel. The most common is for people to say, oh, I'll have YouTube ads. And it's not bad, but one, it takes a long time to get through the process of being able to become what they call a partner. So that way you can start monetizing with ads in front of your videos. But there are a lot more advantageous ways to to start making revenue earlier. And like I mentioned too, if, especially if you're just starting out with what you have at home, um, if you actually start focusing in on a little bit of the monetization process, two things happen. One, you get better with it over time because you learn how to communicate with brands and you know affiliate uh, networks. But then two, you can start bringing in a little bit of money sooner than most other YouTubers. And uh, what that's going to do is it's going to allow you to reinvest back into that business. So you can get better cameras. You can get better equipment pieces to yeah. improve. And also, too, to show that proof of concept. Because, man, I got to tell you, the the first seven months, because it was funny, I hit that thousand subscribers. And then shortly after, I got my first paycheck from YouTube. Whoa. And, yeah. And the uh, so it, took, it was technically eight months when I got my first paycheck. And the the amount of work and effort that I put into the channel to get that first paycheck, which by the way it was one hundred and fifty one dollars. Whoa! Don't spend it all in one place, man. Oh, you know it. And <laughs> I gotta tell you, I looked at that check. I was giddy as all can be. And then a couple Aww. days later, you realize you're like, whoa! All the time and effort that I put into this to get one hundred and fifty one dollars, like the amount of money I was making per hour was pennies right and so i tell people this all the time like i you know i could have gone and worked a regular job like side hustle like work for lyft or uber or all that stuff and made a lot more money in that time process but i knew what my end goal was which was to have a business that i was running for myself because i didn't want to do a full-time job anymore with anybody else and what makes youtube so great for me at least is that i can i can share something that i love and then I can have myself repeat it over and over again without me physically having to do it. You know, I make a video about how to do something and then millions of people over time will be able to find those videos and see me talking about it. And then I'll make a you know living doing it because what most people don't realize is like for a regular content creator, they typically make most of their money from content that they released months and years ago. I, lo I love that you mentioned that. It's like eight months of freaking work for one hundred and fifty one dollars. I think that that's so smart. And then now, obviously, you make more than one hundred and fifty-one dollars. Yeah, I make. 100, I think, right? Yeah, I make one hundred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. I mean, I, that's really not bad. So, was that like your financial independence number was like three hundred bucks? Like, what do you? What, totally. You that? Actually, well, to be fair, my uh, my financial thing was way lower than what most people's thresholds would be. Um, mainly because I own my house outright, so I didn't need the the rent piece for it or the mortgage. So it, it was definitely a little bit lower, which is why I think I was able to leave sooner. But I was also being very determined to to be able to do the the process of learning how to bring in income and make it a full-time living. So, you know, we talked about how, you know, ads is kind of what most people focus on, but affiliates is a fantastic way to make money. Um, you know, I always tell people, make sure that you do it with uh, a good heart because every time you make money from an affiliate, it actually can make you feel that much better. So for me, anytime somebody signs up for a product that I've recommended or talked about in a video, it makes me feel good and I have no guilt on it because one, all my content on YouTube is there for free. So people can watch it at no cost. And then if they do decide to go through a product because I recommended it or help them through that process of how to utilize it, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden when I see, you know, 
$30 come in or $50 come in because somebody signed up. I feel good about it because they're getting one, a great service that I liked and I thought was really, you know, well for me to, you know, share on the channel, but then they're going to get something out of it long-term and it's going to help their finances long, uh, long Such past a just that video. good way to, yeah, I love your, your mindset shift there. Cause so many people are afraid of sales. And I think this keys into sales perfectly of, are you serving first and would this actually truly help them? And if you have tested it, which I know you test like literally everything. Mm. So if you've tested it, you know, it works. It's almost a disservice to not mention it if yeah. you know it's going to help people. Yeah. I, and, you know, I tell people all the time, too, is that, you know, when they do go through those links, like it, it supports the channel so I can continue to provide free content. And, you know, if I, I never feel bad if somebody doesn't want to do it, like I've never had anybody get mad at me for it. But if somebody ever were to say, hey, I don't want to sign up with your link, I'm just going to go by itself. I'd be like, cool, great. Like as long as you got something out of the content, great. Like no problem for me. I'm, yeah. I'm doing fine without that, but I don't want to feel like it's being forced upon just because I need to make an extra, you know, five, 10, $20. I, I love that. I think that that makes a lot of sense. I forgot to ask about thumbnails and the importance of those. Like what's your philosophy on thumbnails? Yeah. Um, I mean, so I felt like we were going to kind of track around that too, with, with everything we were talking about. Um, but thumbnails and titles are vital to, to everything that you do on YouTube, because, um, for whatever reason, people will, start putting so much time and effort into creating great content pieces, editing them and everything. But when it comes to the thumbnail and the title, they slap it on for like two seconds and then they're like, cool. <laughs> and I'm like, yep. are you kidding me? Like your thumbnail and your title are like your billboard to your videos. So if you're not getting people interested in those, no one's going to go through and click on your video. So you need to extremely, extremely need to put your time and effort into the, the work of your thumbnails and your titles. And you can get better over time too, because that's how it was for me. What if, okay, so if, if somebody is considering doing the YouTube channel, but maybe they're like representing a business, more of a corporate side. So obviously they'll still have like talking head style stuff, but can it be a fairly corporate-y looking YouTube thumbnail or should it be a little bit more personal and, and kind of um, show a face and just be more friendly? Like, does that matter? You know, I actually have a friend that I met at a conference recently, and she represents a brand on YouTube. So I was helping her out literally almost with this exact question. So I told her, I was like, the, the problem with being very corporate is that it's going to just make it look like an ad of sorts as far as people wanting to click yeah. on it. And people don't want to purposefully click on ads. So try to, if you're a brand or somebody that is trying to get audience members to come to you for like a service like that you're legitimately trying to sell try to make it personable in some ways if you can and try to make it seem more natural because the youtube as great as it is to be high quality and everything people still like the realism about it versus like television oh it's so true though you're, you're spot on the other thing that i I hear, and actually I went through this too. It took me three months. I'm embarrassed to say this three months to publish my first video because I was so afraid. I was just like afraid people were going to judge me. And now I'm like, whatever, you know, judgment on a daily basis. But one of the things that I know a lot of women struggle with is almost the way they look on camera and self-confidence. Do you get a lot of questions about that? Uh, but like how they should like go towards that. Yeah, like how do we all look as great as Dennis does on a daily? Like it's not fair. <laughs> no, it, I mean, it, it comes with time. I mean, I don't <laughs> think my first video, I even did my hair properly. Like I think it was just like out of the shower and it's all frizzy and, and whatnot. Oh, stop it. Stop it really it. was. And, I mean, even to this day, like I I don't know, man. There's there's sometimes like my hair like will like have an alfalfa moment. <laughs> and, like 
I'll have like you know something on my face. Like I, I look at the videos. I'm like, I don't even care. Like at this point, like I'm bringing people value, and people more often than not will not even notice it. That's and so it's just bad. it's just unfortunate because like with the jokes and the people that will come in and say something about it, they're probably one of the few that really notice it and will say something. Everybody else will either like not care or they won't even notice it. Um, I have um, a female actually that's in my mastermind groups that I we, we talk about YouTube and her biggest struggle is actually the fact that she has to put on makeup and everything and get onto camera. And yep. no. And, and I, I totally can understand that from, you know, a perspective, because I'm not going to just go in and not try to do my hair except for that first video, you know, and, <laughs> uh, you know, just the just the understanding that, like, yeah, there are certain levels that everybody has to deal with when it comes to, you know, maybe an extra hurdle that somebody else doesn't have to deal with. So, you know, I don't have to deal with makeup. Like, I don't put on makeup for, for videos. So that that's a level that I don't have to jump over. But there are other things that I personally have to do that maybe are different than her. So I try to always like let people know, like there might be certain things that you just have to overcome on your own and you can utilize that to your advantage if you try. For example, so for a female, if they're like, hey, I, I have to get ready. I have to be like present on camera and I have to do that every single time. Well, what if you planned out four videos, put your makeup on, recorded all four videos in one sitting whether you wear the same shirt or wear different clothes because honestly people don't even care about that um so you record all that and then boom you have four videos one one a week if, if that's your minimum and you only had to put your makeup on once instead of four times oh i love that you're like totally speaking to me because that's one of the things where i'm like thank god i'm a podcaster because i do not have to get ready every <laughs> single day <laughs> yeah so you know i mean that that's just you know food for thought right so I always look at, okay, what's the hurdle? Now what are we going to do about it? Because mm -hmm. if, if you say, hey, I have to be wearing makeup, cool, totally understand. What are we going to do about it? Like, let's figure out something that works. If you can't record four videos at one go, okay, what's the next step? What 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 is the logical way to make it work if this is what you want? Because I tell you, and I, I learned this a long time ago, is that everybody will do what it takes to get where they want to go as long as they see the value in it. Mm. So. If they don't see the value in it, then that's fine and they won't end up going very far. But if you, at the end of the day, will see the value in being a YouTuber or a content creator, you'll make it work. You'll figure out a, a way around it. Yep, I'm with you 100%. I think this is such a good conversation and I know that you have given everybody so much information for how they can get started and kind of bust through some of the crap excuses we give ourselves to. So I appreciate your candidness there. Is there anything we didn't touch on that you think is important to for beginners to be thinking about, or did we cover most of the bases there? I mean, you're such a great, you know, interviewer, so you kind of really crossed the board there. <laughs> I've got to give you that five dollars now, don't I? Damn it! Thank you. A hundred and fifty-seven dollars now. <laughs> yes. No, I, I mean, I think I think we honestly hit on a lot of great points, um, but I think the one thing. I tell people um, is that there's a lot of information that people have to learn to go through the process of, you know, creating content on YouTube on a regular basis. But I wouldn't let knowing that there's so much information out there to be your blockage for getting started. So I like analogies because I think it helps. Um, if you can remember when you first started driving, the the idea of getting in a car and driving freaked a lot of people out. It freaked me out. I was scared, nervous to death, especially trying to get on a freeway. Are you kidding oh, me? Oh, the like, worst. It was the craziest thing. How often do you think about driving now, right? It's it's so basic for you. It's You know all pretty much all the rules to the road, but you didn't at first. 
So I tell people this all the time. Think about it just like you were getting in that car for the first time. You're not going to know all the rules. You're not going to know how to do everything right the first time. You're probably going to make mistakes. You're going to bump into things. Hopefully not people, but things. And and then over time, it's going to become second nature. And you're going to get it, and it's going to be understandable. And you're going to love it. You're going to make money. You're going to enjoy your time. And if your goal is to go full time and leave your day job because it's not enjoyable, it can happen. You just need to be patient and be putting in the time and effort. I love it. Dennis, you're such a rock star. I've loved this conversation. I know it's been super informative for me to just hear from somebody who's been down this road. Here's exactly what you need to focus on and here's what matters and doesn't. So thank you for sharing all your wisdom with us. I know that you usually charge for that stuff. One million dollars. One million. One million dollars. Is that it? Yeah, I'll just send you the I'll send you the invoice. (laughs) Right. I'm like, um, I hope it's not net 30 because we might be in trouble. (laughs) Just give me a net 90, would you? Okay. Yeah, just for you. (laughs) Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Okay. Before we officially wrap up this conversation, you know what time it is. It's time for our rapid fire questions. And you, okay, you requested, I couldn't tell if you were joking or serious. So we have some new ones for you because you were like a diva and you're like, well, I need new questions for the rapid fire then, Whitney. Yes. By the way, anybody listening, I was definitely a diva on this. <laughs> I I love Whitney, and I was like, no, I want I want unique questions. I want. You questions did. I was that. like, fine. I'll, I'm, I'm gonna bring it then. Okay. Because if I'm listening right. to you, I'm like, I know the questions. I'm gonna have all the answers, and I feel I like know. it's just more fun when I don't. No, nope, nope. it's spot on. Okay. Are you ready for these? No. Go. <laughs> no. Yes. No. Okay. Dennis, what is your zombie apocalypse plan? Oh my gosh. Okay. So first off, I live like two seconds away from a Costco. So I'm getting in my car. I'm going to drive over to Costco. Obviously, I'm going to be getting all the supplies I need, but I'm going to be going after that back in my car and driving up north because I live in Arizona. And I'm going to go towards the cold because zombies don't do very well in the cold because their blood is freezing up and they can't move. So I'm going to go up there. I'm going to find a cabin. I'm going to totally willingly share my supplies with these people that already have the cabin. And we're going to bunker down. We're going to have all of our stuff ready to go for any non-zombies to come and try to get us because that's also a threat, too. I love that plan. That's very well thought out. I like you're like two seconds from Costco. This was strategic. <laughs> oh, yeah. I already know. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Please. I've been down that road. Okay. So for you, what's one book that has really transformed your life? Ooh, this is a good one. So I, I've read a couple of business books. That's usually kind of the format that I go to. And so right now, I think the the book that really has changed a lot for me is going to be the, um, I'm like drawing a blank on the name. So give me a second. Hold up. Hold up. What was that name of the book? Now I'm, I'm feeling the pressure, Whitney. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. I'm so intimidating. I know. <laughs> you're so intimidating. And you're you're making fun of me. I see all those faces, even though we're, you know, Stop. not on camera. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> I could just sense it. Was it my um, The uh, Profit First is the book that I was actually reading and that I think really has shifted my mindset because uh, the book is all about making sure that you have a plan for your business so you can make money from it. Because I think so many times people start businesses with wanting to the idea of having money for themselves, but then over time, they just focus so much on growing the business that they forget about themselves. So that book really taught me that 
I need to make sure that I set aside money for myself, almost like a paying yourself first process in your personal life, that you need to pay yourself first through your business because you put in that time and effort. And when I started really getting into this business life and starting to talk to a lot of people, so many people don't pay themselves first in their businesses. Like they barely try to give themselves enough to, you know, pay their bills and everything, but they try to put so much back into their business. So for me, that book has really changed my perspective. Ooh, that's, I didn't realize you were a profit first person too. Ooh, look at that. See, this is why. Did we just become best friends? Again? Yeah. <laughs> did, okay. Step brothers. Did you watch that one? Oh yeah. I mean, of course. Right. Okay. Perfect. All right. I had to make so sure we were still it. best friends. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Here's my next question for you. If money was not an issue whatsoever and you could truly do anything, what would you do for a job? So for me, it would be finding a way to help other people, um, which is kind of what my goal is now for the future. And I tell people this, like, I don't want to be a millionaire just to be a millionaire. I want to be wealthy so that I can figure out ways to help other people. So for me, it'd be kind of like a philanthropist in some ways. And I know it sounds super cheesy and lame, but I don't know, there's something about giving to other people more than you can give to yourself that makes life so worth living. Ooh, I love that. What causes are near and dear to your heart? I love water. So first and foremost, I think the idea, not living next to water, which is weird, but the <laughs> idea that people should all have fresh drinking water. Um, so for me, I think it would be something along the lines of helping making sure that everybody in the world has access to it, which I know there's a lot of great, you know, networks out there that do it. So either I continued helping those companies out in some way or doing something myself. Um, like that's a big deal to me. Like if I had, if I had, you know, the same money that Warren Buffett had, like I'd probably be doing something to Flint, Michigan, like that, that place should not have no. bad water even to this day. Like it, it's to me that that's undeserving for the, mm -hmm. the people there. No, I'm with you. 100%. I think that's really, really good to hear too. Like the causes that are near and dear to your heart and why you're working towards building up your, your cash reserves. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Next question for you. If you only had $50, and you were going to go buy something that you've been wanting for years, what would you buy tomorrow? Uh, can I can I say that I can invest it into the market? You totally can. Okay, well, so I would do half of it into investments, just because I'm such a super nerd about it. And then the other half, I would find a smoking deal on some new board games that I want for my collection. Ooh, what are you looking at? Uh, so there's a lot of different like super nerdy games, but the current one that I'm like eyeing right now is called uh, Terraforming Mars. So it's a game where I had to, like, make Mars habitable for humans. Oh, dude, that is so up your alley. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? Uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, I, I love that. Okay, <laughs> last question for you. You should know this one's coming. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Ooh, yes. Okay. So for me, uh, I don't want to make it too long-winded, but it is honestly being positive with your money. And, not again, not being cheesy about it, but... Anytime you have to pay a bill that you're having to pay, whether it's rent, electricity, or, you know, having to fix your car, like, be happy that you have the money to be able to pay that and be able to either live in your house, have the electricity, water flowing, like, just be positive with your money. And I feel that doing so will bring more back to you because money doesn't want to be around something so negative. Oh, I love it. So, so good. Dennis, you are a rock star. Thank you so much for hanging out and for just sharing all of your wisdom and your zombie apocalypse plan. You can oh. come to Idaho. We got you covered. Oh, perfect. I love potatoes too, by the way. <laughs> oh, even better then. See, yes. now, now you're set for life. Do they We're... have potato festivals there? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes okay. we do. 
You got to invite me when that happens. We okay. This is really cheesy, but for real, on New Year's we have in Boise we have a potato ball drop. Like oh, <laughs> I am there next New Year's. <laughs> Isn't that the best? It's so yes. nerdy. I love it though. And then you can go stay in my friend Christie's potato. Oh, <gasps> that's incredible. Yeah, you would love it. Yes. Okay. So where do people go to connect with you? Where, where's the best place to learn about your work, watch your videos, all that fun stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, I tell people all the time, if you want to just kind of get started with me, um, you can go on YouTube and type in true financials, um, either TRU financials or spell it however you want. You'll find my face all over the place there. Mm-hmm. And then if you if you enjoy the content, great. You can find me through like email or website. And, you know, social media is easy to kind of connect with people once you know who they are. Uh, and if you don't like me, no worries. At least you appreciated the time and effort to go and check me out. <laughs> That's amazing. I don't know how people wouldn't like you, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> it was it was when you didn't do your hair that one time. That's what it You know was. what? I've been told that many <laughs> times. <laughs> ridiculous. Dennis, thanks again for your time. It was really fun hanging out with you and learning from you. Same. Thank you so much. All right. What'd you guys think? I love this episode. I think Dennis is a hoot. We always have a good time anytime we see each other in person. He cracks me up. But one of the things that I really appreciated the most was just learning from him. I think his mindset around YouTube and the size and profitability is so different than a lot of people think. And I I really appreciated that. I think it's always impactful to hear that you don't have to have millions of subscribers to make a full-time income. So that's what I personally took away. I'd love to hear what your takeaways were as well. If you're not in the private Facebook but group manager money like a boss, hop over there. Let me know what stood out to you about this episode. And more importantly, are you going to start a YouTube channel? And if so, send me your YouTube so I can go subscribe and support you with your new work. All right. That is it for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And I will see you on Friday for five tip Friday or next week for another episode of the money nerds podcast. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 